everybody welcome back to we are the batman i'm mike and this is matthew uh so it has come to light and we talked about this in a news thing at one point where uh matt reeves is is working on uh, shopping around some hbo max series dealing with other villains in the world of his the batman movies and uh we're like you know what let's uh let's pitch one of our own that that he's not already tapping into because he's i think he's looking at doing uh uh clayface scarecrow and professor pig i think were the three he said he was yes. looking at i was gonna say pig head but no that's the bad guy from sun man <laughs> um <laughs> which uh, don't get me wrong I, I i love me some clayface and i'm actually a little bummed out that he's doing clayface because i had a great idea for a clayface one but he's already doing it so we're we're trying to do ones that he's not doing professor pig's an odd one I mean, it kind of, you know, given his story, it goes along with the, the zaniness of the, the Batman movie. So I don't see why not. Yeah. And, and I think I think just it's because of the name. I think people are a little put off by that. But it's like, but if you really look into who Professor Pig is, that really actually does kind of fit pretty well with Robert Pattinson's Batman. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we thought it would be fun to see just kind of pitch our own thing. Uh, see what we come up with here. Um, I was struggling with mine until yesterday when suddenly some inspiration hit me, and I'm actually very proud of this now. Um, uh, how are you feeling about yours? I feel okay about mine. I, mean, I think mine's like my, we've talked about it before. It's like when I kind of say like, hey, let's do this. Like, I don't know if it's because of Fanboy Junction. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because of, you know, I'm a writer, but like some of the stuff just flies out of my head. So like, like I literally typed it to you and you said, that's cool. And then I was like, what would I do? I want to do a fringe character. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. And the hardest part was not picking my star because it was one of those where uh, my friend Blaine from Fanboy Junction, when we would do it, he would always say like, like, it's too easy to pick the apparent choice for a role, you know, yeah. have, you know, look deeper. And it was like, no matter what I did, I was like, no, this is who this should be. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, it's, it's very hard to not go with the obvious choice. <laughs> yeah. And like sometimes it's more obvious or sometimes it's like, like to me, banning the Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange is the choice everybody would do. And that to me is why you shouldn't pick him. I think he's done a great job as Doctor Strange, but I feel like there could have been so many other actors that could have done something a little bit different with it. But, you know, at the same time, he's still done great. It's not like I'm going like, oh, that was a horrible decision. But it's stuff like that. Like Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is the probably the last person anybody wanted to play Iron Man. But look what he did. Oh, yeah. He couldn't get insured. Yeah. Like John Favreau had to kiss some serious ass to make that happen. And yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch, he wasn't even the first choice. He was like the second or third choice. But I think he's crushing it. So, yeah, on on one hand, it's like, this person was kind of born to play like Willem Dafoe. People always talk about Willem Dafoe playing, playing the Joker. It's like, yeah, it's kind of an obvious choice though. Like get someone who can do something a little interesting, a little different with it. Um, And I, I, I did it. I did. I cast two roles for mine. Um, We'll see what everybody thinks. Cause I think one of them is fairly obvious. And I think one of them is, is not, but we'll, we'll see. Um, Matt, I'm gonna let you go first. Okay. So my thing was, it was too, too easy to pick like Batgirl or Robin or any of the characters we've already seen. So what I wanted to do is kind of flesh the world out 
and do something completely different. So I'm doing a Huntress HBO Max show. Okay, so you're 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 not even doing a, a villain. You're doing you're doing one of the Bat Family. Well, the, I think we talked about on the phone the other day. Is like depending on what version of Huntress and what reboot of the DC Comics is. Is like she's kind of like her own thing. Sometimes she works for the Bat Family. Sometimes she does her own thing. Sometimes she's you know she might work with somebody who's going against Batman, like in Nightwing when she's working with this corrupt cop. And so now she's literally going head to head with Batgirl and Nightwing. So stuff like that, where I think that would be a little more fun with this, because ultimately, if, whenever she decides, to, whenever she runs into Batman, doesn't mean they're going to ha- high five and be like, cool, let's work together. So I think that would make an interesting dynamic, even though in my story, Batman doesn't necessarily appear. Okay. So do you want my story or do you want to go back and forth with these things? Uh- Give me go go ahead do do your whole thing. So my thing is is this is a she is Richard Dragon is a character that's been in the, in and out of the DCU um or the DC comics and he's kind of like the the martial arts BA who has trained a lot of people. And one of the people he's trained is he was part of the Huntress's training. I would keep her origin where like, you know, she's kind of got the her dad was in the mafia. The mafia killed him. So she's kind of on a revenge trip against mafia people. And that's why she becomes a huntress. But I also didn't want to do that as her main thing. So there's another character who is called, quote unquote, Richard Dragon, who is called Danny Diaz. And he actually kills Richard Dragon and takes over his mantle. So I want this story to be about Huntress chasing after Danny Diaz and through these different things she's doing, she's like one step behind him and their ultimate confrontation is in Gotham. Okay. All right. So, and you know, get into like, is Danny Diaz going after Batman? Cause he wants to defeat Batman to prove how cool he is. Is she going to help him? Is she not going to help him? So that's kind of, so it's most of the show is a, Got to catch him, but you'll get the flashbacks of her training under Richard Dragon. Maybe her and Danny trained at the same time. So you've got kind of like this relationship with them. And um, that's kind of my show. Like it's like a nice four to six parter, six episodes, nothing real long. And just ultimately ends with Huntress is now in Gotham. And we have no idea what she's going to do when she meets Batman. Okay. All right. Too much, too little, too weird. No, no. <laughs> Look, I, Huntress is one of those characters that like, I don't think enough has been done with. And I think it's real easy to fall into a, um, uh, cliche with her. Yes. Cause like we, we saw them try to do something with her in that God awful birds of prey series in the early two thousands. I mean, it is, it is unwatchable that show. Yes. It is. Yes pretty terrible um she uh you know appears in justice league unlimited uh in a little bit she's got a thing with question kind of actually it's very good um the run of nightwing huntress crossover comics was i thought spectacular um she also appears in a couple episodes of arrow where i i thought they were doing a good job with her until they wrote her off the show and i was like well that was a waste 
Um, so yeah, the idea of seeing, yeah, just, just an, another interpretation of her story. When you consider the world that we've built already with Matt Reeves, the Batman, I think what you're pitching works very well within, within the confines of that world. Yeah. And I think like sometimes Huntress is one of those characters to me is kind of like Nightwing. The less she has to do with Batman and the more she does her own thing, the cooler she gets. And it's okay that she might interact with him or butt heads with him, but ultimately we just want to see her do her own thing. So that's where, like I said, I don't want it to be, cause you're right. Like sometimes she just seems to be like another Batgirl in the Bat family. And it's like, no, that's not what this character is. So that, so yeah, that's why I picked her. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because when she, when you, when you start mixing her in with Batman directly, it's easy to make her make her an adversary because she breaks the rule. Um, yeah, and there's it's she, and it's just easy to just write her off as just you know because um, I I did not like what they did with her in the Birds of Prey movie. I did I didn't mention that earlier. I was I was not. Like to me, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is brilliant casting that was grossly misused in that movie. Uh, correct to, to to me, <laughs> correct to me. Um, I it's if you, if you like, I know a lot of people like that movie, and that, that's great. I I don't, I don't mind the movie. Um, I just didn't like that they used Huntress the that, the way they did. Um, but it's easy to me the way they used Huntress in that movie is just kind of the very easy predictable paint by numbers way you would use that character to me it's like you read the cliff notes of who this character is and just made that so with with what you're doing it's yeah we get to actually explore who this character is and spend some time with her and and learn more about her and how she actually works and it's a, it's, a, it's a really good idea thank you and i mind that movie very much that movie's crap <laughs> <laughs> um and there's part there's parts of it I really like, and there is parts of it that I think no human being should ever have to watch. Um, the yeah. best parts are all with Margot Robbie. <laughs> um, I, I'm the flip. I, I like Journey Smollett as she's Black good. Canary. She, uh, she's good. She's good. I like her too. Yeah. So, and that's about, and Ewan McGregor's awesome no matter what. So, there we go. What a waste of Ewan McGregor. Anyway, um, so he we'll hold on. Luther? No. <laughs> no. We would have made a fantastic Black Adam if they let him be Black Adam, or not Black Adam, Black Mask. He would have made a yeah. great Black Mask if they let him be Black Mask, but they didn't let him be Black Mask. They made him a Joker-Riddler hybrid. That's very true. So anyway, um, so before we get to your cast, we'll do our casting last. Yeah, do uh, your gonna, show. What's your show? I'm really so I stuck with the villain route. Okay. And I took it in a slightly different direction, since we don't know what's going on with Matt Reeves yet, with, with the next Batman movie. So I said... Let's hop into the past a little bit and let's tell a period piece about Solomon Grundy. Yes. Perfect. We're going to set it in the 1800s. Uh, we're going to have Cyrus gold as a wealthy merc. Cause here's the thing with Solomon Grundy. We've seen him live action on TV has not always been great. <laughs> if we're being completely honest here, um, he's in, um, he's in Smallville, in one episode, I think. Um, and it was kind of just forgettable. Um, Cyrus gold as a character appears in arrow as a guy who's kind of been within, in the story arc explains why he's like super strong and all that. And it seemed like they were going somewhere with it, but they never did. So 
it kind of bums you out. He's in Gotham. I think Gotham is a god awful show that should be ashamed of itself for even existing. Um, and the way they did uh, Solomon Grundy in that is is just not good. Um, and then I have not seen Star Girl. I've heard he's in that, and I have not seen Doom Patrol, and I've heard that he's in that. Okay. But um, yeah. So anyway, um, so but we've never seen him done in the movies at all it's been an animated series but never been done live action never been done in a movie so set in the 1800s we got cyrus gold he's a wealthy merchant kind of mobster-esque just kind of he runs all the shipping and the transporting of supplies kind of post-civil war is what i'm setting it's setting this um and he's just he's just looking for money he's just looking for money and looking to just run all the money that's going on so uh, one day, one of his one of his dudes, one of his one of his uh, peons, discovers uh, there's a cave over where the slaughter swamp is, which the slaughter swamp is from the comics. It's where, spoiler alert, Solomon Grundy gets dumped and turned into Solomon Grundy. Um, <laughs> but in this cave near the uh, this this cave that's kind of underneath where the swamp is, um, they find gold. It's like, oh God. So he's, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get the gold, it's gonna be ours. I'm gonna run this town. Well, his right hand man and some of his rivals betray him and murder him and dump his body in the slaughter swamp. And he's reborn as Grundy. And that's in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I <laughs> um, like it. I didn't write out the whole plot, but what I wanted this series to then be is like Frankenstein's monster, but set in the world of 1800s DC comics. You know, so have him stumbling around. He doesn't really remember his previous life. He just remembers basically hating people and that somebody did him wrong. But like he's learning how to talk again. Uh, maybe befriends a little girl like Frankenstein does. Like Frankenstein's monster does. Um, but he's going around trying to get revenge, basically. Because we could even have it be where like he he revives from the swamp like years later or something like that. Because so he's kind of like partially decomposed and all that. So he's going around getting revenge because, you know, all these guys took that gold and took his company and his business and have led great lives. So it's him going around getting revenge. At one point, one of these guys catches wind of what's happening and says, hey, I need to hire somebody to go take this dude out. So they hire a bounty hunter by the name of Jonah Hex. There we go. I was wondering about the era. That makes more sense. Yeah, I like it. I, You're, you got me now. You got me. You got it's me. one of those because they both technically because because Solomon Grundy is killed in the 1800s. Cyrus Gold was killed in the 1800s when he dumped in the swamp. That's when Jonah Hex was around, but they've never crossed over like that. Why the hell not? So yeah, <laughs> we can have Joni, jo, Jonah Hex uh, make a have an episode that's just about Jonah Hex um, trying to uh, uh, take out Cyrus Gold. Trying to take out Solomon Grundy. Um, and we can end the series with him getting buried in a cave-in, in that same cave underneath the swamp. Uh, you know, it all caves in underneath him. And it, everyone thinks, okay, he's dead. He's never coming back. Or, you know, we have someone who keeps a watch uh, every night to make sure he never, and to warn the town if he ever does uh, come back to life. And it ends up just kind of becoming forgotten and becomes kind of just lore. Because you got to remember is that the Slaughter Swamp is outside of 1800s Gotham City. Yeah. It's located just outside Gotham City. And what's cool about this is I figure in the final episode, we have a post credit scene that ties into the first into the Batman because 
you remember in the beginning of the movie when uh Battenson's monologuing and he's talking about how uh you know i i am the shadows and everyone's afraid of him and we see the guy spray painting like a a, a bank or something like that it's an abandoned yeah. bank and his spray paint can rolls into the doorway and it's all dark and he can't see anything so he runs away well now we see that scene from the angle of inside the building and the spray paint can rolls into the building and it bumps against the foot of solomon grundy who's awake and hiding in there and looking out at the rain and watching everybody go by on Halloween. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. All right. I'm going to cheat now and I'm going to say who you casting because I'm being okay. lazy. Okay. Oh, you want to, Oh, you want to know who I'm, who I'm casting? Yeah. Yeah. Who are you casting? Oh, who you casting? Okay. Solomon Grundy. Now you got me really curious. Who did I cast? Oh, first I'm going to tell you who I cast is Willem Dafoe or as, okay, well shit. <laughs> First, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you who I cast as Jonah Hex, and that's Willem Dafoe. <laughs> uh, I thought we were doing being John Malkovich here. We cast yeah. Willem Dafoe as John Malkovich. Yeah, no, I cast. I Dude, cast Willem Dafoe, Dafoe as Jonah, Jonah Hex. Hex. Just yeah. yes, so much yeah. yes. Um, that's great. I like I just, that a lot. That is awesome. Yeah, I love. I love Willem Dafoe. I love him in everything he does. Oh, I, I even like him in Aquaman. So. Um, but who I got to play Solomon Grundy, it's probably a bit of a safe choice, but I think okay. he's a much better actor than he's been given credit for. And I want to see what else he can do. And that is Dave Batista. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's a little similar to Drax. It's a little similar to Drax, but I really like him and he's got 10 minutes of screen time in Blade Runner 2049 that he does amazing work with i really like him in hotel artemis i cannot wait to see him in glass onion i think dave batista is a very good actor and i think playing him as cyrus gold and as solomon grundy is a great way to stretch him out a bit because especially as grundy he's not doing as much talking like with drax he gets to crack a lot of jokes and have a lot of dialogue and be goofy He's not going to have that as Solomon Grundy. So yeah. I want to see him flex those nonverbal acting chops a little bit more. No, you're right. He was, he was great in Blade Runner. And then like hearing him on some of the podcasts I've heard him on. And the fact that he's actually trying to hone his acting craft is something more than most of those wrestlers turning actors do. They just seem to kind of niche into action films and don't give a crap. And, you know, as much as I like Dave Batista, he's nowhere near as charismatic as the rock. So he's got to do something different. And I think what he's doing is perfect. Yeah. He, he's even said many times himself, he's like, he knows he's got a long ways to go. And I love, I love John Cena as peacemaker. I love John Cena as the dad in blockers outside of that. John Cena hasn't exactly like impressed me as an actor. It took him a long time. He kind of just kept going for roles that he felt like should have been his until he found one that was so off base for him that, but it worked for him. And the rock had to do a lot of that too, was finding the right roles to really let him learn as opposed to just going and just being a tough guy in every movie. And Batista has been smart about that since day one. You know, he talks about how James Gunn took a big risk with him yeah. for Drax and how he's, made he he knows where he comes from he knows 
that he's got an uphill battle being a wrestler and he's just he's putting in the work and i i appreciate about that about him and i want to see him do more and i think this is again it's kind of a safe choice but i think there's a lot of room for him to grow and develop as an actor in a role like this yeah i i don't know if you've seen that movie my spy but he's fantastic in it i have not no and then there was Struber, he was really good in Struber, but that was more of an action fair than anything else. But he's really good in that as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm a fan. I'll watch it. I, I'm I'm like you. I'll, I'll check out Glass Onion. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Glass Hell Onion. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Cool, cool. All right, man. Who you got cast in yours? Okay, so I did a couple different things weird. Number one, I did what they recently. Do. So Richard Dragon usually is a white guy with red hair, and his name's actually Richard Dranowski or some crap like that. But recently, I think in the last two years, I did, um, <clears throat> what was it, like Bat of the Dragon or Shadow of the Dragon or something like that. And it was something one of the like animated that, yeah. DVDs, and they made Richard Dragon Asian, and Mark Dacoscus voiced him. So I was like, you know what? Let's go with that. So I cast Richard Dragon as Colin Cho. Um, Colin Cho played Seraph in the Matrix films. He's the villain in the Donnie Yen movie Flashpoint. Um, he's been in a ton of other things. He was in Forbidden Kingdom. He was the the, the evil king. Oh, um, that guy. I'm pulling him up right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. He was uh, randomly Hayabusa in the Dead or Alive movie. <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> hey, I had a good time with that film. <laughs> But um, but yeah, he just he's actually a really good actor. You know, part of me wants to go to the Donnie Yen of it all, but the like Donnie Yen, I don't think Easy. as much as he's cool as it man. I don't. I, I'm not the mentor thing. I'm not there with him yet. You know what I mean? So, but I think Colin Cho would be perfect. I really like him as Seraph. Was one of those because I know Jet Li was originally supposed to be Seraph. So the fact that they pulled Colin Cho and said, I was like, no, dude, this, this guy's good. I like him. Oh, from the matrix. Yes. Yes. That's what his name was. Shit. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, what his name was. (laughs) Yeah. Seraph. So yeah, that, that is, um, that's, that's my pick for Richard dragon. He would probably be like in five or 10 minutes of every episode, more of like the Mm. mentor teaching, but he's also in a really badass martial artist, which, you know, would help. Um, Danny Diaz, the kind of villain of the movie or the show. This is where I did like a, this is what you might call a Matthew special or a Dolph Lundgren special. Um, is I used Wilmer Valderrama and, you know, why do you got to do this every episode? I know. I know. Every every episode we're casting something. Don't get me wrong. I love Wilmer Valderrama and he's actually been very good on NCIS. So I'm, I'm listening. Yeah, so to him to be this weird villain who has just got crap to prove and becomes a murderer and to suddenly, for some reason, he decides he's going to go to Gotham and take on this Batman, I think would just be cool. And as much as I've enjoyed him in things, I've heard him on some podcasts, he's kind of a douchebag. So I think it would work for the character. (laughs) A little bit. Uh, Yeah. So, but I also think like, dude, the guy's in shape. He's got a good look and he's about the age I would want him to be. You know, he's kind of got that, that late thirties, early forties look that would work for this. And, you know, he seems to be able to do action. He can, he can dance. Like, I think it'd be cool. You know, it's interesting because I'm just now remembering that they actually brought in uh, Richard Dragon in season six and seven of Arrow. 
um and he was played by um oh what's his name he was on lawn kirk acevedo um and it was okay. actually pretty good okay okay it was it was it was season six and seven it's like the show was starting to find its footing again um but it was too little too late but uh kirk acevedo is, is, is one of those actors who i wish would get more work um because i think he's very good but uh they did a really good job with him in that and i'm, I'm throwing that in as i'm thinking about that yeah i really want to see that character done more yeah i think that's a great pick actually yeah it would be interesting and and you know i i, I personally get into this like you know who who does train these people? You know, you, Batman doesn't become Batman by going to the corner Taekwondo place. <laughs> you no, you stream at Liam Neeson. Yeah, exactly. Who, <laughs> who who I still to this day kick myself in the butt for the fact that I didn't realize he was Rachel Ghoul. because oh, really? I was because I was so excited that somebody did went that deep and pulled the card. Because Ducard is in pre-crisis Batman Origins. Oh right, yeah. And in, in the and he is a detective, and that's where Batman learns how to be a detective is from this guy, like this French guy. So the fact that they pulled him in, I was like, that is so awesome. They went that deep, and then when he reveals he's Rachel Ghoul, I'm like, son of a, like, it's oh, good. oh yeah. Like, Totally, I got fanboyed into not realizing. And then, like, every time I watch it since then, I'm like, it's so freaking obvious he's Rachel Ghoul. How the hell did I not see that? You know, um, you know what the biggest giveaway is? The that facial hair. Like is that he looks like him. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the facial hair. He has his freaking facial hair, you know? Well, don't get me wrong. I think Ken, Ken, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe was also. I was like, if he was actually Rachel Ghoul, that's also a very good pick. <laughs> well, and I can remember when they announced him. I was like, I don't remember Rachel Ghoul being Asian. I don't know if he was white, but well, I don't that, remember him being Asian. That's kind of what's cool is there's because there's been so many live action versions of Rachel Ghoul since Batman Begins. Like when you really sit back and think about it, we've seen him a lot in a lot of live action stuff in the last few years, um, and it's always a different. Because we had Liam Neeson, who was white English, and then we had um, the guy on Arrow, who was I think Greek, and then you had Alexander Siddig from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, who plays him in uh, Gotham, and then he he's just, he's been everywhere, and I'm like they just are just like really diving into the racial ghoul pool for some reason. Nice, nice. Yeah, dude, that guy was so good in Kingdom to Heaven. I'm sorry. I know it's it just great. no one. <laughs> like one of those times, like, is that the dude from Star Trek? Man, he's great in this movie. He's, he's so good. If you, he's if so you, good. and to continue tangent, if you have not seen the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven, find it and watch it. <laughs> I love the movie anyway, but just makes it ex- excellent. Anyway. All right. So this is where. Like the the like duh of course of it is Huntress's Anna de Armas. I love you so much. I know, I know, I knew I you'd be you into so that. Much. I know you'd I be into that. Put her in everything, please. Except I, I will say this: I watched Blonde. Nobody should watch Blonde. I, I after you said that, and I've heard from other people, I I'm not going to watch it. Nobody should. That movie is unsettling. Um, but Anna de Armas is is a diamond encrusted angel of hope love and joy and should be in every movie so uh yes yes please 
I mean, she has the acting chops. I haven't seen the Bond movie she was in, but oh, really? I'm not a fan of Craig's Bond. Oh, it's a good movie. It's very different. It's a very different Bond movie. It's very. But if you haven't seen or liked any of his others, you're not going to get anything that's going on in it. So, yeah, I I don't. The last one I saw is when they inexplicably blew up his house or something, and like him and Judy Dench are in this big house. I, I don't know. It's just like, what is happening in the, like, oh, I, I Skyfall's like the best one. Anyway, moving on out of the armistice huntress, everybody. Yeah. And I, that was the one where I was like, who else? And I, I, yeah. for a, for a minute, for a minute, I was going to cast it very young and use Billy Bobby Brown. No, Millie Bobby Brown, Billy Bobby Brown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Millie, Millie Bobby Brown. But the more I kept looking at it, the more I was like, she's great as Enola Holmes, but she's not Huntress. I think she's too young. Yeah, she's too young. And then I kept like, then it was like, well, what's the age? And and there's a couple other people that came to mind. And I was like, no, I think like I kept, like I said, if I'm trying to not cast Anna de Almas, I might as well just cast her because she's perfect. Yeah. Because it's like, because at that point, it's like either you cast an unknown or you cast somebody that's just wildly out of left field, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, no. I, I mean, everyone on earth knows that my love for Ana de Armas is, is powerful and strong and could, could fight entire armies. So, um, 100%. And she's, she's a, she's such a good actress. She's yeah. so talented. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and she's beautiful, and I think, like you know, something about Huntress in the comics. Some of the stuff I read is like, you know, look, Nightwing's supposed to be the best looking dude ever. He doesn't get pulled by every single chick that comes his way. So the fact that he kind of gets it on with with Huntress, even though she's the antithesis of everything his mentor has laid down in front of him, you got to have a good looking woman to do that. So, well, it, 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 Huntress Huntress is very much similar to Nightwing in that both of them have the superpower of being really, really, really ridiculously good looking. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a fact. I mean, it is a fact that, that everyone knows Nightwing has the greatest ass in the DC universe. It's an established fact. It's, it's a comic book fact. It's just a thing that we all know and accept as being true. We all know that Dick Grayson is so handsome. He could disarm an entire army and Huntress is, is, is equally that on the female side. She uses that to her advantage in the comics a lot that she's that attractive. It's part of how she goes undercover and stuff. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, but that that's my cast. That's my show. I think it'd be cool and it'd be something different than just yeah. doing, like I said, a sidekick. And like I said, the, the big thing for me is just because she shows up at Gotham and maybe defeats Danny Diaz probably kills him. Doesn't mean she's going to be like, "Hey, cool, Batman! I'm here to help you." Probably you know? kills her. She fucking kills him. <laughs> <laughs> she puts an arrow through his eye. Come on. <laughs> correct, correct. But but yeah. So I think it'd be interesting to have, you know, that that kind of thing. Anyway, that that's my show, man. And and yeah. your Solomon Grundy show with Dave Batista, I think, sounds interesting. And then when the two characters cross over, and it's Grundy Huntress <laughs> unite. You know, <laughs> along with along with along with Clayface and Scarecrow and Professor Pig, and then boom, you got you got you got the Injustice League there, people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, man, I tell you, the, it's we're starting to get to a point where we're going to start hearing more stuff. 
coming out about mm-hmm. the Batman and everything else with this. So it, I, I just I can't wait to see how more of these things develop. And then we can sit there and say, hey, you know, if they're looking to do that, we've got an idea for you guys. I got a Grundy idea back here that would work really well with this. We got a Huntress idea because Huntress is a character I can totally see playing in, in the Matt Reeves Batman universe a thousand percent, especially if we're going to keep playing with mobsters and stuff like that. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, hey, let us know what you guys think. Is there a character that uh, maybe you'd like to see get an HBO Max series uh, to to play in the world of Matt Reeves, the Batman? Do you like what we got? How much do you love that I uh, uh, cast Willem Dafoe as Jonah Hex? How much do you love that that, that Matt cast Ana de Armas as the Huntress? You can't possibly love it as much as I do. Nobody loves it as much as I do. I love it so much. I'll forgive him for all his other casting, uh, uh, almost all of them. just one <laughs> Dolph Lundgren is Bruce Wayne that I'm never going to let him forget about, but uh, let us know what you guys think on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at we are the Batman. Find me on Twitter at Mr. Mike Shea. You find me on Twitter at Mr. J Ninja. And if you want to have some fun, look up Dolph Lundgren with black hair and it's there, man. He's freaking Bruce Wayne. I'm just saying. And now yes. he's walking with a cane. I'm just saying. Okay. Anyway. So that being said, let's know what you guys think. We've got a Google form uh, pinned on our Twitter feed where you guys can send in all kinds of questions, uh, uh, episode ideas, general feedback. Uh, and then uh, Matt, where can they find us on Facebook? Uh, www.facebook.com slash group slash fanboy junction with a K. Hit us up in all these places. We'd love to hear from you guys. And we'll talk to you again next time here on We Are The Batman. Same bat time, same bat podcast channel. Take care. Thank you.